Hi there. Welcome to the Woman Inspired Podcast. This is Karen. I'm your host. I'm so glad you joined me. I'm not sure where you're joining me from, but I would appreciate it if you would follow the podcast. So every time a new one is put out there, it'll come straight to you. So you can find me on Google Play. In case you found me on my website, womaninspired.com, you can also click on there and find me on Podbean and even on the Apple Store. So I appreciate it. Okay, so today's podcast is titled, Yes, I Clean the Hand Sanitizer Bottle. (laughs) Okay, and I start out every podcast with what I call a pod quote, which is just a quote that kind of gives you an idea of what direction we're going or a little thought or inspiration about the topic of the podcast. So here we go. This pod quote is by Marilyn Ferguson. Ultimately, we know deeply that on the other side of every fear is a freedom. Oh, how I love that quote. I'm going to say it for you again in case you want to write it down. But if you're listening to this podcast in your car, I would appreciate it if you wait to write it down till later. You can always push play again. I would appreciate it anyhow. (laughs) All right, ready? This is Marilyn Ferguson. And here goes. Ultimately, we know deeply that on the other side of every fear is a freedom. See, there was a time when I barely left the house out of fear. And recently, I've kind of had a reminder of that, of that fear in witnessing uh, someone else who actually has such great fear that they haven't left the house in about 11 years. So this kind of took me back to this time and made me really think about how much I have to be thankful for and how much work I had to do to let God's grace and his hand be on me to get rid of that fear and to understand exactly what fear was. So out of fear, I'd give any excuse I could um, not to leave the house. Too much was going on or I had too much to do around the house. I didn't have enough money to go wherever it was I was asked to go or I was exhausted. I didn't feel well, you name it. I could come up with any reason, even though most of the time as I came to realize they were really excuses. I'd have good intentions, of course, but I, and I, and I'd volunteer for lots of things at church or in other places, but after helping one time, I'd cancel and not go back, or I'd just cancel before ever having to go and confront my fears and confront my uncomfortableness. The same thing with family events and outings. Um, others might invite me, but, and, and I so much wanted to spend time with family, but if it wasn't something at a house I was familiar with, I wouldn't go. Or if it was someplace I thought was too dirty or not neat enough or too far away, it would just induce such anxiety in me that I wouldn't go. And again, not because my heart or the love in my heart didn't want to, but because, I mean, they did. I did. I wanted to, but because my anxiety and fear didn't want me to. That's hard to explain to people after so many years in a row of it happening. People take it personally, even though it was never personal. I was trapped in my own fears and I was unable to get that message out in a way that I thought people would understand. Even though I worked hard to maintain relationships, I wrote letters, which back in the day we wrote letters, not emails. And I would send cards and gifts at holidays and I made lots of phone calls. And so I worked hard to go to all of the major big family events at holidays and little get togethers, 
um, when I felt like I could muster up the strength to do so. And of course, to family reunions. But travel like that was excruciating for me. And the unknown of staying in someone else's house or even a hotel, the fear of being in big crowds, my emotions and mental health would be so taxed that I knew right when I got back from any kind of trip like that, I was going to get sick physically sick. It all affected my immune system in a big way. And we rarely invited anyone over back then. It was a major ordeal for me. I never slept when anyone else was staying the night at our house, except my parents. I had to make sure everything was perfect for any visitor day or night, that it was neat. It was clean, that I cleaned up every minute anyone was there. I even wiped down the and cleaned the hand sanitizer bottle and the bar of soap. Because at that time we used a bar of soap and they didn't have soft soap in the little pump and we didn't have body wash. So it really drove me crazy to see any kind of dirt whatsoever in a bar of soap. I counted, I repeated, I hyper obsessed on, on the what ifs of life and thought I had to be perfect to be loved by God or by anyone else for that matter. I was afraid of gerbs big time. Um, I think I just said I was afraid of gerbs, but <laughs> I meant I was afraid of germs Oh boy. Anyway, I was really afraid of germs and my OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. It really made other people feel unwelcome in my home, even though that was never my intent. But I was in the middle of obsessive compulsive hell at the time. And I didn't know any other way to deal with my fear and anxiety, but to control it with controlling things and using particular actions to try to calm my nerves. I used to think people just got it because they knew me. They just knew, hey, that's how Karen is, that they'd understand it by the nature of knowing who I am. But as I found out over the years, a lot of people didn't. And in fact, there are several family members and friends or used to be friends who still hold those times against me as if I was doing all that on purpose to hurt them. Even though I literally wrote the book about OCD called Breaking Free from OCD, so I could help people to understand the victory I had in it, but also what triggers it and how it came about and what I needed to do and what God showed me to help control it and get rid of it. But a lot of them didn't read it, but it wasn't about them. It was about the OCD. I know it affected them, but it wasn't about them. It was about me being caught in a bad cycle of fear and anxiety and how God healed me, how he showed me how to cope and obsess on him and on his word instead of, well, life and fear and things. He replaced my fears with truth. So if you've listened to me before, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Faith is not the opposite of fear. A lot of people in the Bible and throughout history, great, amazing, real, down-to-earth people that God has used all had fear, but fear does not negate your faith. We can have faith as small as a mustard seed, and it does amazing things, but fear is a lie. So the opposite of fear is not faith. The opposite of fear, which is a lie, is truth. So the opposite of fear is truth. Once you embrace truth about eternity, about life, death, dreams, squirmy things that bother you, uncomfortableness, all of it. Once you learn and embrace the truth about whatever it is, your fears will go away. Sometimes in an instant. Truth is a catalyst to greater faith though. 
add that good old truth in the mix of your faith, even if it's as small as a mustard seed, your faith will soar. I mean, it shoots up like a Mentos and a two liter bottle of soda. Okay. Truth is the gatekeeper to a whole garden filled with faith that grows and grows and grows. And it's beautiful. And when you experience it, you want to keep seeking more and more truth. So this fear and uncomfortableness I had was not one of those garden variety, hey, Karen, you need to get out of your comfort zone kind of things. I know we hear that a whole lot. The world at large and the Christian world has drilled into our brains for 20 plus years now that I know of that we need to get out of our comfort zones. They say it's biblical. Well, I have not been able to find any Bible passage that states I need to get out of my comfort zone. In fact, if you look up anything concerning a comfort zone in the Bible, what you'll see are passages pointing us to let go of our fear. Passages that tell us not to be afraid and to seek wisdom and to seek direction from God. But I believed the lie for a long time that I needed to get out of my comfort zone. And I kept attempting to push myself out of guilt to get out of that comfort zone and become uncomfortable for Jesus. I thought, hey, well, the more uncomfortable I am, then the more godly I'll be. Um, yeah, guess what? It does not work that way at all. You know, like sitting in the middle of my fear with knees knocking and anxiety, making my heart race and and my pit sweat like a pig in a sauna was going to somehow magically, spiritually, ding, 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 divinely make me a better Christian. Like I would be a better purveyor of God's message and his love if I would just become uncomfortable. Um, no, that's not so. In fact, The more uncomfortable I became, the more bound up in anxiety and fear I became, and it paralyzed me. It kept me from being able to do even the simplest of things for the Lord. I couldn't glorify him when I saw nothing before me except my own fear and anxiety. So yes, I suffered, and I do mean suffered, with a severe obsessive compulsive disorder. It's not comfortable in the least, so if someone wanted to say, hey Karen, get out of your comfort zone, well... I lived in an uncomfortable zone till I was 33 years old. <laughs> but really, there are times, I understand, we do get socked into a place of being so cushy on our tushy that we don't want to move. We don't want to get away from our routine, the one that we know so well, just so we can be his hands and feet. We, we don't want to do that sometimes. But that's a totally different thing than what I'm talking about. You know, and I get that. We absolutely should use our discernment. Pray about where and when God wants us to be out of that cushy comfort zone everybody likes to talk about and and instead of nestling down inside ourselves. But we should not let the world and Christian pressure or bumper sticker theology pressure us into a space of complete uncomfortableness to the point we're paralyzed and unable to follow the Lord's leading or get us to a chaotic state of mind where all we can hear is the sound of our heart beating so strongly in our ears that we can't discern the voice of God saying, no, go this way, not that way. Have you ever looked up the word comfortable? If you have, well, if you have, there's probably a picture next to it of me in my pajamas and slippers. (laughs) But really, Merriam-Webster, good old Merriam, says it means Affording or enjoying contentment and security, free from vexation or doubt. Okay, say what? Let me repeat that. (laughs) It means affording 
or enjoying contentment and security, free from vexation or doubt. So FYI, vexation is a state of being worried, troubled, or afflicted. So comfortable means feeling secure and being free from worry, trouble, and affliction. Now, I hear the verse in the Bible quoted all the time about how Peter needed to get up out of that boat, onto the water, out of his comfort zone, in order to show he had faith. That is, uh, I must say, an ultra-extreme representation of getting out of a comfort zone, right? I mean, gosh, hey you, I know you're sitting all comfy, cozy, dry, waiting to pull in some fish, but do me a favor, get your tushy up and walk on that water. Yeah, you, the one with the long robe on, get up and walk on that water right over to Jesus. And if you don't, well, you're no faith-filled follower of Christ. I mean, basically, that's what we're being told. Um, Yeah, people, that is not what the Bible says. But what's sure is that the way our current Christian culture has formulated it makes us believe that. It's rewritten it and applied it to our lives in a different way. So let me share the actual verses with you. I will set it up for you. Jesus had just turned the fishes and loaves into a a full-out surf and burp party. He fed 5,000 men plus women and children with two fishies and five loaves of bread. So after they ate, he told the disciples to go on ahead of him to cross the river while he went up on the mountainside to pray. So when he finally came back down, the disciples were already a considerable distance from the shore. So shortly after dawn, it was, Jesus decided to trek on out there to them and he walked across the water towards them. And so Matthew fourteen twenty five through 33 says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Okay, it was a lake, not a river, excuse me. So he walked on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you out on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. What has always struck a chord with me is Peter's immediate reaction. Because, hey, first of all, if you saw someone out walking on the water, you just might think it was your imagination or a ghost of some sort. But Peter shows his faith even in the middle of a bit of doubt. I mean, immediately, doesn't he? I mean, he says, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come out to you on the water. Kind of like, oh yeah, big guy, if you're really who you say you are, then prove it. And when Jesus said, come Peter did it. I mean, how many of you would have done that, taken that chance? Do you see what Peter did here? He knew if that was indeed Jesus, that Jesus could call him out there and somehow he could get to him. And if he fell, Jesus would catch him. He must have known that if that was Jesus, then he would be just fine. Or he wouldn't have said, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come out to you on the water. You see, Peter knew the voice 
of his Savior. How comfortable with his master must he have been to go to him when he called, no matter what or where, even out on the water. I'm wondering if we can say that about ourselves. I used to be so afraid of everything, from being alone to being in a crowd, of dirt, of germs, of change, of hurting other people, of getting hurt, of things that didn't even make sense to be afraid of. I had faith in God as my father and Jesus as my redeemer and as the Holy Spirit as my comforter. And boy, did he comfort me through some of the worst times. But I didn't have faith in myself or in the ability to maneuver in any situation. Well, I was so afraid because I didn't see the truth. I didn't know inside me the truth that wherever Jesus calls me, he'll be with me. I didn't know the fullness of the truth of who Jesus is or that truth would have dispelled my fears. So I lacked the truth and the faith I needed to walk on the water. I knew Jesus could save me, but I didn't rely on him for the day to day. I didn't know and it showed in my ignorance. I had no idea that Jesus could be my savior for the everyday little minor things and that my prayers could include the small things and that was okay and that he could cover me in the big and the small, the stout, the tall obstacles of life. I just knew he was my forgiver, the sacrificial lamb and the son of God, but he is so much more than that and that's the truth and had I known that and had that security, not that worry that comfortableness in who Jesus was to me on a day-to-day basis, then I would have had the truth. I would have known and it would have dispelled fear. Peter knew this already, or he wouldn't have gotten up and walked across the water to meet Jesus. Yet all we ever hear about is how Peter doubted. Why? Because when the winds blew and the storms kicked up and he took his eyes off Jesus, that's when it happened. That's when the world hit him. He looked around to see what the world was doing. When the winds swirled around him, trying to make him take his attention off Jesus, it worked. The world won, and wham, glug, 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 Peter started to go down into the water. Even then, though, Jesus caught him and kept him from swimming with the fishies. So it says, though, then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? So here it says, you of little faith. That's what Jesus said. Not you of no faith, but you of little faith. With even that little amount of faith, maybe as small as a mustard seed, Peter walked on water. It was when he gave his attention to the world, making him uncomfortable, that he sank. So let me backtrack here to the whole idea of our comfort zone. Peter might have been uncomfortable or he might have been comfortable in that boat. Maybe it doesn't say I've been in a boat before. This would not have been some big dandy houseboat though with a grill and a hot tub on the deck. This was a wooden fishing boat that probably reeked of fish and salty air. The boat may have been moving a bit side to side with the motion of the water, probably splashes getting the robes a little bit wet. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound very comfortable to me, Um, but it doesn't say so. So I'm just imagining this. But Peter was comfortable enough with Jesus calling him out of the boat that he got right up out of it. He was comfortable enough 
with Jesus, looking straight at him, going where he called him to go, that he walked on water towards him. When he got uncomfortable and afraid is when he took his eyes off Jesus. He paid attention to the world around him and he sank like a chunk of cookie in a glass of milk. What this tells me about the magical be a better Christian and get out of your comfort zone theory is that while we definitely need to challenge ourselves, stretch ourselves and go above and beyond to do as God leads us to do, we need to make sure that if we're becoming uncomfortable, that it's actually the Lord calling us to wherever that uncomfortable zone is and not the world. The truth is for all the years I was wondering what I was supposed to do with my life, how I was supposed to serve the Lord, and could I even do it? I never, ever, ever imagined I'd be talking to people about Jesus, that I'd be speaking, writing, or preaching, especially to crowds of one, two, three, five hundred people at a time. Nope, not me. I was too afraid. I lived in fear. But once I was able to lay my fears at the foot of the cross, I could hear his voice calling me out onto that water. People ask me if I get nervous, if I'm afraid to get up and talk to big crowds of people, and the answer is no. I am never nervous. When I got up to speak, um, or when I do get up to speak, I try really hard to let the Holy Spirit take over. And I am more comfortable, more comforted, more in my comfort zone than any place I've ever been in my entire life. That is not an exaggeration, and that is not a joke. Every place, every time, everywhere, it feels more right to me than sitting on my own couch watching my favorite movie. It's more at home for me than slipping on my favorite slippers and pajamas. And believe me, that's saying a lot because I wear slippers and pajamas all the time. I even lead Bible study in my pajamas (laughs) and my women's group can tell you that's the truth. It's just a part of who I am. I am not uncomfortable in the least when I'm speaking though. Well, Okay, unless I wear panties that try to creep up to the dark side while I'm speaking. But other than that, (laughs) I'm totally in what I would call my comfort zone. Yet, I'm being used by God. I'm using my gifts and talents to point people towards Jesus. At least that's my hope and prayer every time I speak. I've worked at several churches too over the years. And I know that finding volunteers to do anything can be a real challenge. And hang with me here because I have a point to this. Because what I've observed though is that when people are encouraged to give where they're comfortable giving, where their gifts and talents are, they give more. When they're encouraged to get out of their comfort zones, they'll stay in that zone for a short time, then leave it or leave the church altogether. Why? Because sometimes our Christian bumper sticker theology makes people so uncomfortable that they think there must be something wrong with them. They can't figure out where they fit in, why what they're doing for the Lord isn't reaching anyone, or why they're getting burned out so fast. And the reason very well could be, in in my observation, because they're so uncomfortable that they can't hear his voice calling, telling them which way to go. They can't use their gifts and talents where they instinctively feel led to because the church is pushing them to do something else out of their comfort zone. This doesn't mean we shouldn't try new things or help in new areas or go on a mission trip or go above and beyond even if we have a little bit of fear in it. No, that's not what I'm saying. We still have to serve, to fill in as needed, to give our all in any way that we can. But when we walk the walk we're supposed to, the way we're supposed to, instead of being pushed to do it in a way the world says to, the results can be amazing. 
I read a card in a bookstore recently. It was beautiful. It had a, a mountain scene on it, uh, just a gorgeous background with a person bungee jumping on it. And on the front of it, it said, you know, there are those people in our lives who really push and push us to get out of our comfort zones. Thank you for not being one of those buttheads. <laughs> I loved that card. I'm sorry. Some of you may not think that's funny, but I really thought it was funny. So when it comes to deciding, though, what zone we should put ourselves in, I'd like to encourage you not to let the world decide for you. Don't let well-meaning Christians push you to a place where you're unsure if you're doing what God wants you to do. It's not about pleasing all those humans in your life, but about pleasing, praising, and pointing people to Jesus. And Jesus isn't about just about eternity. He is. He's about heaven. He's about heavenly things. He's about... Um, heaven-minded eternal things but he's also about today and this journey you're on now that helps you to get to that point that prepares you that helps you with daily sanctification he's about your purpose and my purpose and the path he has planned for us so what I've learned over the years that I really want to share with you is that Jesus is a hands-on savior he doesn't just mold and shape us and lift us up he, he rejuvenates us and he sustains us, encourages us. He instills us with courage. He showers us with grace and helps us to grow in, in right thinking, in wisdom and in strength for the everyday, for everyday people, for each one of us. When it comes to where you should go, how you should get there and, and what you do between now and then, the only opinions that matter are God's and yours. Does does he send people to guide us and give us wise counsel and help pull us through the, the muck and mire of our mistakes or, or the consequences of someone else's poor judgment and bad free will? Yes, he does. Thank God he does. That's part of him being hands-on, though, is he knows what you need and he knows who you need and he provides it. So do I have that same kind of fear and anxiety I used to have when I was younger? Praise God, no. Do I ever get anxious or worried? Once in a while. But I have to say it's rare, praise God. And when I do, I know that it's usually fueled by uh, some fear. And fear is derived from lies. And in that process, God showed me so long ago, in order to get back to a place of kicking fear out, I know I have to seek the truth in whatever situation that is that's going on that's stoking some sort of fear inside me. It's no joke that the truth will set you free. It truly will. So where OCD made up 90% of my life for so many years, it colors my world by maybe 10% now. I don't have to mop the floors every single day or, or fold clothes without, uh, with the corners matching on all of the towels and all of the little pieces of clothing matching just so in just little squares like I used to. I can walk through a room without counting. I can shut a light off once, not 14 times. And I'm sorry for those of you who have OCD who are listening to this, and maybe I just made you freak out, but there, I, I used to count my way uh, through things. I, I would break out in a cold sweat when I would think about not doing these OCD things. And then I'd clean something. Um, and it always, well, I can't say it always made me feel better, but it did help appease those things because it was fear and fear is in the flesh. And so if I did something out of the flesh and controlled something or tried to control anything, it would appease those things, but it never got rid of the fear. Only the truth got rid of the fear. I can laugh about it, 
but that's where I am now. I know the hurt, the fear, the anxiety and pain of OCD and of shutting myself off from the life God wanted for me. And I'm on the other side of it now. Through his hand on me, through prayer and a particular set of things that God showed me to do and how to obsess on um, him instead of my fears, he healed me. Since that day when I was 33 years old and the Lord lifted that OCD off me, I have traveled extensively. I enjoy, actually I relish even anytime I can get alone now when I used to be afraid to be alone. I'm able to go through my day without counting and repeating, checking or rechecking anything. I can shake a hand without freaking out about germs. I can leave dirty dishes in the sink overnight. But yes, yeah, yes, I will say it. I still take caution with my immune system and I do clean hand sanitizer bottle. I'm sorry. I just think that that's wisdom. (laughs) Okay. I really hope that today I've encouraged you to address fear in a different way. And look at it in a way uh, that in, will inspire you to seek the truth when you feel fear. To really let God's word and the truth of a situation um, be illuminated so that you can get rid of the fear. I hope that's what you got out of this today. I know that it was really on my heart to share it with you. And I'm going to share that quote again with you that I said at the beginning of the podcast that is by Marilyn Ferguson. Ultimately, we know deeply that on the other side of every fear is a freedom.